and welcome back to the Labari Media Podcast. On today's show, we are talking to Eugene from Second Stacks. Hi, Eugene. How is it going? Going well, going well, Joseph. How is it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. So today we're going to be talking about your business, Second Stacks, and what exactly you guys do. So before we get into the weeds of things, can you basically explain what Second Stacks is and what you guys do? Sure. Um, so Second Stacks is a, is a platform, cloud-based, that allows investment firms um, access and trade across all the capital markets on the continent. Um, what does that mean? If I have an investment firm in Accra, let's say, um, now they are able to look at investment opportunities in Nairobi or in Lagos, and they are able to actually execute those transactions um, through the platform. Um, a lot of this comes off the back of uh, some research that we did, um, speaking with some of these investment firms as well in terms of helping them diversify. Most of the African countries today operate in silos. So if you are in Ghana, for instance, most of your capital markets activity uh, will be in Ghana. Um, same for Nigeria, same for Kenya. But as you look more broadly at the African continent as a whole, you see that there are synergies when you start to aggregate. So the platform is really poised to help these investment firms be able to look at the continent as a whole and find the best investment opportunities that they can invest in for themselves and for their clients. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, so basically, this sounds like a, one of those complex problems. So what made you want to build this platform to connect everything together? Sure. I mean, our origin story actually started in Accra um, some point in the summer of 2018. So MTN uh, is one of the larger um, telecoms in the country. Um, and in Ghana, as part of them having access to the, the spectrum, they needed to offer a portion of the company for local um shareholders to to come on board but what happened was even though this is a great company had a lot of the 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 potential there to to really be transformative in terms of um, an investment opportunity the the lead invest advisors on the deal were were struggling to to make the book um overall the the sentiment was that if other people outside of Ghana knew about it and they had an easy way of effectively participating, then you would um, see a more successful IPO. Um, so we took this this conversation to heart, uh, started having conversations with other investment firms in other markets, and the patterns started to emerge. So if you, you, you look at the, the scope and scale of African capital markets, um, a lot of it has has been um, really driven by local participation in most cases. But a lot of the time, you have more capital looking for more opportunities that they can't find locally. And so now we present an opportunity where if I have a single platform that allows me to look across, um, and for instance, I like telecom, I can basically go into names like Airtel Tigo in Nigeria, um, uh, Safaricom in Kenya, in addition to 
the MTN name that I have in Ghana. So that's been the shift of conversations with with these lead investment firms um, made it uh, a, a mandate for us, as it were, to be able to solve this problem for them and do that at scale. Okay. So w- what do you think this problem of like, you know, I think you talked about how they have, how some things are siloed as far as different markets in Ghana, Nigeria. Why do you think this problem still persists? Well, so, I mean, I, I guess second stacks is still very much in the early days. Today, we operate in Ghana, Kenya, and Nigeria. We're working on expanding into um, Ivory Coast, uh, which gives us access to all of Francophone Africa. So so that's, that's beginning to become possible in terms of erasing some of these um, edges that, that have these markets operated in a silo. Um, up until this point, people still um, had access to do transactions, but a lot of it meant you had to have a bilateral arrangement in the other jurisdiction, whether you were one of the multinationals who have branches in a few different African countries, or you had to have a relationship with another brokerage firm in that market to find you the position. So a lot of this was, as you can imagine, intensely manual. You had to reach out on emails, maybe phone calls, maybe texts to to find um, someone on the other end who will then basically put you into the market. So so some of that, again, is part of the efficiencies that we bring. And we're starting to see some transaction flow following that. I think that's also mm-hmm. another aspect of sort of the, the way most of these economies have um, evolved, where today you have multiple actors participating in those ecosystems. If you look in most developed markets, your capital markets really is a benchmark for how the economy is doing. But for most of the African countries, um, there's a bit of a disconnect there. And some of this is because two, two things primarily drive the value of assets there. Um, your sort of large institutional investors, and here I'm talking about sort of asset managers and pension funds, they keep getting... Um, capital and they have to invest it, right? Uh, what they've they've tended to do is invest in government securities, uh, which in in the case of Ghana, especially uh, over the last couple of years, we've been going through quite a painful exercise of a debt restructuring because the government um, borrowed more than they could service, and so a lot of upheaval is is coming in. And, and this is a, a microcosm of sort of if one economy is having turmoil, then you see the capital market also um, s- sort of suffer as a result of, of that. But if you have a more balanced view where each economy is moving in a different direction and growing at their own paces, then having access to them, uh, being able to position your portfolios where you have a little bit of Ghana, a little bit of Kenya, a little bit of Nigeria, then you are much more able to weather the storm when you have some of these economic headwinds. So some of that is is starting to show, um, I think, off the back of things like the Africa Free Trade uh, Agreement 
which is effectively bringing um, a lot of trade within the African bloc. We are seeing more people look left and right to the neighboring countries to find opportunities where they can still invest, um, find the best types of securities that fit the risk profile that they are looking for, and overall be able to have sustainable uh, investment returns than what they had before where everybody was investing in their local markets primarily. Right, right. Okay, so you mentioned the fact that you're a partner with um, Ghana, Nigeria, and Kenya. Um, so when you first approached, I guess, the stakeholders of these respective um, exchange markets, what was their reception like as far as you trying to pitch your platform to basically use in those markets? Right. So, I mean, I think overall, um, each of these exchanges, um, as part of their strategy, was looking for more participation. More participation means more investors in the market, uh, which will drive more volumes. And overall, that is how uh, these markets will grow. So for them, it was a, a function of, of having technology solve the problem of how do I present um, new investors to a market that is looking for them? And how do you do that um, safely? So in terms of reception, um, they, they were very uh, pleased with what we were doing. Um, obviously, the, the rigor of ensuring that we were being able to sort of follow the rules that are on the books, being able to demonstrate how our system doesn't effectively bypass things like your your know your your customer uh, being able to check for anti money laundering rules on the books, um, being able to ensure that there's no settlement risk because the client is not in that market. Um, some of that was the extra checks that they needed to see us walk them through to make them comfortable that this indeed works in line with what the expectations were. Um, so overall, I think the, the reception has been great. Um, this serves as an opportunity for us to demonstrate some of the sort of broad-based uh, um, sort of themes in terms of bringing most of these markets together, um, where now we're using technology to effectively um, drive that progress towards a more uh, seamless way to invest across the continent versus some of the other efforts that were really focused more on the policy side and the rule book and, and being able to align there. Um, I think now that we have three large jurisdictions, there's quite a lot of excitement for us as Second Stacks as being able to successfully implement our strategy and continue to expand our geographic footprint, but more importantly, it allows the regulators, both the exchanges and the securities commissions, to be able to look at our model and see how they can now sort of leverage that to do some of what is, is already on their strategic roadmaps. So it's a, it's a good sort of uh, partnership uh, where we are able to demonstrate how we manage and, and, and um, implement risk control measures that then gets the market comfortable that we are able to execute and still bring about the growth in volumes and 
uh, the, the client participation in these these markets. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask a question about kind of the casual investor. So, for instance, you know, in the U.S., you know, there are different uh, firms which allow just regular users to purchase stocks like you know Tesla or Apple. So I wanted to ask from your side. Do you guys have anything on your roadmap for casual investors? Like maybe I'm in Ghana and I want to invest maybe in like, I guess, Casa Preco, for instance. I want to buy stock in that company. Is there anything on your roadmap which would allow casual users to actually buy those like um, stocks or just invest in those companies? So, yes. I mean, I think ultimately, if you think about the the spectrum of what, what we are looking to do, the, the first part of it, which is what we are um, focused on, is putting the infrastructure in place. So large institutions, the investment firms, whether they are broker dealers, whether they are asset managers, whether they are pension funds, whether they are commercial banks, can now use that to effectively do their investment processes and be able to benefit from from having uh, um, sort of cutting-edge tools that allow you to really operate your portfolio strategy very efficiently. For them, they already have some retail clients. So we've started to work on what we are calling our B2B2C, where we are coming up with the sort of core rails and APIs that will support the sort of casual or, or retail investors, as we call them who have relationships already or are looking to have relationships to now be able to effectively pop up something on their mobile phone or their tablet or, mm. or for that matter, the website and basically be able to say, hey, I'm interested in real estate. What is available? What can I get into? And be able to drive their own transaction. So that part of the strategy is evolving. Um, I, I tell this story because a lot of what has happened in the past, at least when we start looking at um, examples like a Robin Hood that is in the US, is there was infrastructure that was available that then allowed these business models that were catering to that retail investor that needed a bit more guidance, a bit more of a a seamless and uh, an intuitive interface to then be able to participate easily in the capital markets. And that's what we're doing. So without that core infrastructure being there, it tends to be quite tedious and expensive mm-hmm. to be able to service your your retail investor well. So we, we did it in two steps where we put the infrastructure in place, um, provided it to these institutional clients, and then they can now with some of the other tools that we are providing service that need, which I think is quite important. I mean, if you think about sort of the, the growing population, it's young, um, mm-hmm. they understand the, the need to put some, some money away for a rainy day or to invest for growth, um, whether they are sort of saving to start a business or saving to purchase a, a, a significant uh, capital good, whether it's a house or a car. People understand the power of, of compounding and investing. So being able to service that need will really be transformational because up until now, a lot of that sort of casual or retail investor base hasn't been quite served um, because of the, the type of inefficiencies that exist in the ecosystem. 
Okay, that's good. Okay, so I just want to just circle back a bit. So I know in 2022, you guys raised a pre-seed round, I think 1.6 million. Um, are you guys looking to raise any capital this year? Because especially given last year was kind of a slowdown for the general African tech ecosystem. But are you guys looking to raise any funds this year to expand to more markets? Um, yes, I mean, I think for, for most startups, uh, fundraising is, is part and parcel of, of their evolution. I mean, some of what we are doing is, is still um, capital intensive. Um, so we are looking at our cost base and looking at opportunities to, to find the right types of partners that will come in and support us with capital and, more importantly, operational um, um, experience as well as we continue to scale. So yes, we will be doing some more fundraising. Um, when we we have more information to share, we will definitely make some announcement on it. All right, sounds good. Okay, so yeah, I think you mentioned before that you guys are hoping to expand into Cote d'Ivoire. Are there any other can countries on the horizon that you think might be uh, like, uh, ready to go as far as launching this year? Um, so, I mean, we, we try not to uh, uh, sort of forecast too much, given, <laughs> given everything that, that we have. Um, the, the Ivy Coast project um, for us is quite key, because as you can imagine, in a Pan-African platform, we already have three major economies that are anglophone, so we want to um, have some skin in the game for the Francophone side of the coin. Um, the interesting thing with Ivory Coast, which I mentioned before, is uh, since they already have uh, an aggregation of uh, a number of countries in there, so here we're talking about Senegal, we're talking about uh, Burkina Faso, uh, uh, Togo, Benin, etc. By putting our foot on ground in, in Ivory Coast, we actually get a large swath of, of the Francophone West Africa zone. So um, that really accelerates the pace in terms of our expansion and being able to bring more of the continent on. And we will also be looking at other markets. Uh, off the top of my head, um, I think there's definitely some interest in bringing North Africa on board. Um, here we're talking about Morocco and Egypt. Um, but we also... Um, are aware of the fact that um, you can't really look at um, Africa or Sub-Saharan Africa for that matter without thinking about the the South African um, market as well. So these are all on the roadmap, um, but we are working through the strategy of growing organically and making sure we are providing value at each stage to our customer base, and we will continue to use that to guide our geographic expansion plans. Okay, cool. So I've got a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, I want sure. to ask you about, you know, just the economy in Africa in general, especially like with the uh, Ghanaian and even the Nigerian market. We know Nigeria is currently facing its issues with its uh, currency, the Naira, and Ghana too is having its issues with the IMF program and even a general election later this year. So from, from your point of view, like, how do you see these kind of like factors as far as economies affecting the capital markets? Like, like, do you see maybe some positive things happen at the end of the year, or do you see that maybe a bit foggy as far as economies and investments? Right. So, I mean, I think, and then someone said this, when the 
the the the developed market sneeze, then then Africa catches a cold <laughs> time later. I think in a in a global ecosystem, we have a lot more sort of interconnectivity than we actually appreciate, right? So we all came through COVID. Most of the economies in sort of the developed world were able to turn on a lot of capital to stimulate growth. And I think we're starting to see some of that process being unwound, which is then creating this um, 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 sort of era of higher interest rates, um, which is also a consequence of some of the inflationary pressures that a lot of that um, cheap capital led to. Uh, For Africa specifically, I think we've managed to turn the corner in many ways. Um, A lot of these ecosystems, you talked about Ghana, you talked about Nigeria, um, a lot of sort of the growth indicators that were there pre-COVID, most of these economies are now starting to correct to get back to those sort of 2019 levels, which then provides you directionally some growth opportunity that should come in um, to really make up for the lackluster performance that we've seen. Um, Unfortunately, um, there's obviously a lot going on on sort of the capital side when you think about sort of how governments fund themselves and they are using capital markets both local and international to find the the type of capital that then will go into sort of infrastructure projects your your roads your schools your hospitals etc so i think we we stand in sort of that confluence where a lot of market activity will happen. Um, capital markets will not disappear. Um, they, they tend to operate in, in cycles. So we will have some ups, we will have some downs. And as you can um, imagine, uh, there's a lot of excitement, especially in Nigeria as such a, a, a big economy, starting to do those things that are boosting the confidence of investors to be able to return to the market. So here I'm talking about peeling back some of the fuel subsidies that they had immediately, um, recently operationalizing the the refinery um, in, in Nigeria, then will supply a lot of the sort of pump uh, uh, fuels, whether it's, it's, it's gasoline or, or, or jet fuel, being able to do that locally. And I think a lot of that, um, plus the fact that They've decoupled the sort of um, official window and and the the, the black market um, from sort of operating on their own. It's gradually bringing us to the point where the Naira trades at uh, a single FX rate. So some of these policies, uh, which we are starting to see a lot of our governments take seriously, then bring investors' confidence that uh, these are now places where they can go back in and really invest and get the benefit of that growth that we are all looking for. So I think for the most part, um, this is probably the best time to invest. A lot of the assets, when you talk to your sort of brokers and and asset managers uh, are very cheap. Uh, When you think about where they were trading 
historically. So getting in now and, and participating in that wave of growth um, as sort of real GDP starts to, to show uh, presents a very interesting time to be an investor across these, these markets. All right. Okay, before we get out, uh, one last question. So I think you, I would say you guys, Second Stacks, are kind of at the forefront when it comes to kind of the capital markets using technology. So if you're looking at the capital markets right now in Africa, what do you think we are as far as using tech? Are we still like on the beginning stages? Or are we kind of like grow? Is that we in a growth stage, a beginning stage, or we're kind of in the later stages? I mean, I, I would say we're somewhere in the middle. I mean, if you think about what the likes of, of sort of flatter wave and and and, and pay stack and, and chipper have done to sort of payment and being able to enable a lot more transaction flow to happen through uh, uh, fintech. The investment side of the book hasn't seen as much. I mean, so so I think we we are starting to see the impact of technology really driving processes and efficiencies there but there's still probably another couple of years before we see a lot of that momentum really come come to play uh, capital markets because of the nature of 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 the way they've they've been set up uh you have a lot of regulatory oversight um most most of these ecosystems are really set up so you have the right type of investor protections baked in to ensure there's there's um, no bad actors that can derail these markets um, in a significant way. And so I think the progress there, like I mentioned, as we get through three jurisdictions and a fourth, now regulators have a pattern that they can look at and then really we should expect a lot more rapid evolution um, as we go forward. Um, today, we see a lot of very interesting use cases, um, especially when you think about sort of that casual investor or the, the retail investor, uh, where now, um, if you think about sort of the activities when it comes to other forms of, of, of putting capital at risk, and here I, I start to think about sort of savings products with commercial banks, um, all the way to certain cases, what what we we see as a growth in that um, sort of sports betting arena, you understand sort of the type of risks that people can take. Um, and we are here really looking for a good, safer alternative that makes sense in terms of the real impact to, to the economies. Now companies have a better way of financing themselves. They can go to the stock market to float shares to, to get more capital to grow and expand, or they can use the markets as a way to raise uh, bonds where if they need some operational cash, the, the commercial banking rails don't always become the place to go. So I think we are starting to see that growth. Uh, we are not there yet. Um, but at least we are encouraged that technology is, is leading the uh, efficiency gains in quite an important uh, sector of the market when it comes to capital markets. All right. I think on, on that note, we can end it here. Thank you very much, Eugene. Really appreciate the insights and the thoughts about this, especially capital markets, which is not talked about in our sector at some time, I think. But thank you very much for coming on, just like letting us know how everything is going with Second Stacks. 
Sounds good. Thanks, Joseph. Looking forward to joining again when we have more updates. Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to it.